Let's turn to the final part of today's uh, one, two, three show on this uh, Monday afternoon. So while oysters are a much enjoyed delicacy, they also have a really important function. This week on Trash Talk, Marcy Trent Long learns all about how oysters serve as nature's water filtration system. And this week, Marcy is joined by Maureen Thomas from the Nature Conservancy. Trash talkers, we discuss a lot about land pollution here on the show, but rarely do we get the opportunity to delve into water pollution in Hong Kong. And in 1987, the water quality of Hong Kong rivers were graded good or excellent for 26% of the Hong Kong rivers. In 2017, that number is now 87%. What happened? Well, the government introduced more sewage treatment, which is a key, but there's also natural solutions to help clean waters in Hong Kong. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Maureen Thomas, Conservation Project Manager at the Nature Conservancy, is joining us to explain how oysters can help filter water pollution. So thanks for coming, Maureen. Hi, Marcy. Nice to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Well, I think we better do a general education on the benefits of oyster reefs and water ecosystems. Sure. Um, So basically, a lot of people associate oysters with food, but less known is the fact that they're actually habitat. In fact, they're the reef systems of our estuaries and bays. So very quickly, you can see coral reefs in the tropics. Right. When you get out of the tropics, you no longer have coral reefs. It's shellfish reefs that play that function. So not only that, you also find oyster reefs or shellfish reefs when you are in estuaries, so in the muddy areas where the fresh water meets the ocean is where you'll see and more. And that's an estuary, right? That's what we call estuarine um, ecosystems, yes. And Hong Kong, of course, we are based in the Pearl River estuary, so in one large estuary, so we are very much under the influence of that type of ecosystem. Huh. So shellfish reefs are very important here in Hong Kong. And the other thing that's important to know is that, um, so not only is it not always known that they're a habitat, but they happen to be the most endangered marine habitat we have on Earth. We've lost 85% of shellfish reefs around the world. Um, So if you were to compare that to coral reefs, for example, that's around 50%. It's still bad, um, but obviously, yeah, with an 85% loss it's uh, the situation's pretty, huh. pretty. Um, is that bec- is that because you know humans tended to live closer to estuaries than they did Perhaps. coral reefs, for instance? Perhaps. Um, mostly, we have uh, taken out oyster reefs and shellfish reefs from over harvesting because they're food, right? Unlike coral reefs, you can actually eat oysters. Um, but what we did is we not only over harvested oysters for their food, but also burnt the shell uh, to create lime. And lime is actually, you know call it the ancestor of cement. And in Hong Kong, we also used to burn up corals as well for the same purpose. Oh, interesting. Um, And so is that why, I mean, Hong Kong was famous in the 70s and 80s for their oysters. I guess it was a, you know, big shellfish place. So is that what happened to our oysters too? Yeah, so I, I think it's important to dissociate the oysters for aquaculture and the oysters that provide habitat and create reefs. Um, So yes, Hong Kong has a very long history of aquaculture. It goes back centuries. In fact, uh, traditional methods of oyster farming in Hong Kong are part of our intangible cultural heritage. And so we have famous things like oyster sauce, uh, but also the traditional method um, uh, of farming. And 
in the 70s and 80s when um, the Pearl River Delta was developing at a rapid pace, then yes, the, the areas um, where we used to farm oysters became degraded. And oysters, or particularly oysters that you want to eat, um, you want to associate with clean waters Definitely. because oysters, going back to your first question, are filter feeders. They're a natural uh, nature-based solution for cleaning up water. And they remove uh, certain pollutants, which we can describe in a second, uh, out of the water system. But more importantly, when you have a degraded body of water, it's not great to eat oysters from that water. <laughs> okay, got it. And it's not just for that. We, you know, the, the, the oyster aquaculture industry started to decline the same for the same reasons that the fin fish industry in Hong Kong started to decline is that it's very hard work for not so, you know, not very big pay. And it's a very uns unsustainable form of income. For example, every time there's a typhoon and, um, you know, it rips through the oyster rafts that we have in Deep Bay, the farmers can lose everything. They can lose a whole year of harvest. So with time, the new generations have not wanted to take on what they, their family has been doing for generations, which is pretty sad. Well, but it's, it's the way Hong Kong's been, right? You could, everyone wants to be... Uh, maybe a banker or maybe not. Maybe they want to be a trash talk host or maybe they want to be a conservation <laughs> manager now. <laughs> well, what a, tell us about the project, the Deep Bay Wetland Project. You know, where is it and why that sure. location and stuff? So um, Deep Bay is actually the very northwestern border that we have with um, with mainland China. Um, in fact, Deep Bay on, on the mainland is called Shenzhen Bay. So from on one side, you've got Shenzhen. Um, and on the other side, you have uh, the, the soft shores of, of the Hong Kong side, and you've got places like Lao Fa Shan, which is the very important area for oyster farming, the historical area for oyster farming, but it's also a huge mudflat. So historically, we did have um, natural oyster beds there, and they've since been transformed into oyster farms. Um, but with the decline of the oyster farming industry, you now have quite a lot of abandoned oyster farms on the mudflat. And so Deep Bay presents a wonderful opportunity for us to work with the oyster farmers to see if we can restore some of this natural habitat um, and also provide an alternative source of income. So for instance, they know how to grow oysters. We want to, you know, recreate oyster reefs. We can work with them to grow oysters, but not harvest them. Again, the whole point is that we want these to create habitat um, and provide the ecosystem services that come with that. So it's all about growing oysters, not harvesting them, but asking the oyster community to be the stewards of these reefs. Oh, cute. That is really, that's just asking for little oyster caricatures to support <laughs> your project right there. Well, is there less water pollution now and the oysters can actually survive your, the oyster on the so, oyster reefs? Um, number one, yes, there's definitely less pollution um, in Deep Bay. But the good thing about oysters is that they're pretty, they're pretty hardy. Um, they don't actually need clean water to survive. I mean, of course, their shell is made of calcium carbonate, so you don't want acid in that water the same way that, you know, that with ocean acidification, you're losing corals. It's the same problem with oyster shell. It's, same, it's the exact same material as coral. But apart from that, oysters don't need clean water. In fact, they thrive on, on water that has excess nutrient. Um, for instance, when you have, when we talk about water pollution, um, one of the things that 
oysters and shellfish bivalves um, can can remediate is taking out excess nutrient out of the water. So nitrogen, for example, in the form of nitrate and nitrite, uh, which is essentially what we've pumped our water systems with uh, our fertilizers or wastewater discharge. That's what creates algae blooms and eutrophication and dead zones. Well, oysters are able to, from for different methods, but are able to transform that nitrogen form that's bad, nitrate and nitrite, into nitrogen gas, which is harmless for the, the water environment. So that's how they are able to um, help the water quality of our, our coastal ecosystems. Oh, that's interesting. And so does the nitrogen, do you say nitrogen oxide? So, yeah, so nit- nitrate and nitrite, those are the two forms that are, are quite harmful uh, for our coastal ecosystems. They're the ones that are going to provoke algae blooms um, and then eventually suck all the oxygen out of the water and create dead zones. Um, so by, by taking that and transforming it into nitrogen gas, that's how you can mitigate uh, some of these, um, these uh, coastal problems. Fascinating. Mm. And then, so you'll, you'll create the reefs that you don't want to harvest. That's correct. But then alongside, you're also doing some aquaculture as well. So in Deep Bay, we take a holistic approach. So not only are we trying to restore habitat and reefs so that we don't want to harvest those, we also at the same time work with the local oyster farmers to try to make their industry more sustainable, both environmentally but financially, because as we mentioned earlier on, they're struggling. And, you know, they are, they're the industry of that area. They're the, our stakeholders. They're the traditional fishermen as well. well there, they've right? been there for, for centuries and centuries. It's their land and their, their, their area. So it's very important to work with them in a, in a holistic way. Mm. And is this also government funded, given that you're, you know, bringing back, you know, the estuary life? Again? Um, I would say not yet. Some of the initiatives, particularly on public engagement and um, education. So for example, we, we did a small exhibit um, in, in Deep Bay on the benefits of oyster reefs and also the, the history of, of aquaculture. And that was funded by um, ECF. But most of the work that we do at the moment is, is privately funded. Oh, well, thank you for that then. So what are some of the sources of water pollution now? Or did we just go through that with the nitrate and the nitrate? They're, they're the same. So everywhere around the world where we have settled on our riverbanks um, and started, you know, that's the areas where we have a lot of agriculture. Um, with fertilizer, we've pumped our water systems with excess nutrient. And when that river will meet the sea, that's where it's the outflow of it. So that's, that's, you know, that, that's still very much a problem. In fact, we still have red tides in, in Hong Kong, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. a, a, an algae bloom. Um, the other source of pollution for that in Hong Kong would be wastewater and some of the runoff that you get with heavy, heavy rain. But essentially, yes, sewage and where it's the wastewater is treated to say at a lesser extent, the excess nutrient that comes from fertilizers when it's uh, into the river and then eventually onto the coast um, and the runoff you get from, from storm water. And can the oysters tackle all three of those or is it only the nitrate, um, the nitrate from the fertilizer? Yes, um, it's, yes essentially the, the nitrogen in, the, in those forms that come from those different sources. Got it, yes. got it. And you had mentioned so you do some really cool things with the oyster shells. Yes, so one of the methods that we use for restoring oyster habitats or shellfish habitats or oyster reefs, let's call them, is by actually reintroducing hard substrates. So oysters 
baby oyster larvae in the water need something hard to settle on. If they can't find something hard, like a rock or anything, eventually they'll die. But their preferred substrate just happens to be other oyster shell. That's why they create <laughs> reefs. And so there's this wonderful opportunity to work with the local aquaculture industry in Deep Bay. Um, but also we get it from other sources where this shell is essentially trash. Um, and so by taking shell from the local aquaculture industry and also other sources and avoiding it going to the landfill, we treat this shell It's a, from our, our shell recycling program. We treat the shell, we weather it on land so that it's not a biohazard anymore, and we deploy it as new reefs. And we create new, new living habitats and living, living reefs out of that shell. That's fabulous. So you're doing your own recycling out in deep bay. Indeed. <laughs> Your wetlands. Well, that's great news. So if people want to learn more about it, they would go to the, the Nature Conservancy website. I'm yes. sure you guys have Facebook. TNC.org.hk. Yes, we have a Facebook page. Um, I should also say that the recycling work that we do, as well as other management works in Deep Bay over on our sites, are all volunteer-led. And yes, uh, we're struggling at the moment with the restrictions, but as soon as the restrictions are lifted, we will need a lot of help to do this work. Sounds like fun. Please, please go and check our website if you want to get involved. Okay. So you hear that, Trash Talk listeners. That'll be a fun thing to do once once we get out of this serious lockdown, of course, to enjoy ourselves at Deep Bay Wetland Project with the Nature Conservancy. Thank you so much, Maureen. Thanks, Marcy. You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK On The Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas. If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia. Many thanks once again to Marcy Trent Long speaking with Maureen Thomas from the Nature Conservancy all about oysters. And uh, Marcy will be back again uh, next week for more Trash Talk on the 123 Show.